We're going to be in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 this morning, so you're going to want to turn there. One of the easiest ways to follow along is always going to be on our app at the Movement Church. If you want to skip the formality of turning a page in a Bible, if you go to our Sunday services under sermon notes, uh, I have all of the scriptures that I'm going to be using today, as well as some notes that I felt like you might want. We've been talking about being a steward. Today, we're going to conclude our series on being a steward. We've been talking about a lot of different ways that we can be a steward, a lot of different attributes, character traits, a lot of different action we can take. But today, we're going to talk about being a generous steward, being a generous steward. And I affectionately named the sermon today, Go Ahead and Be Extra. The world's telling you, you better stop being extra. And I'm telling you, we need to be extra. All right? If you don't know what being extra is, you can just look in the Urban Dictionary. Go to good old Rabbi Google. The God of the Internet. And you can figure out what being extra is. But we need to be generous stewards. We need to go ahead and be extra. Listen, a steward is a person... It's an identity, it's who you are, who is managing the resources of life that God has given to you for God's glory. The provision, the resources are the provision that God's given you. And those resources include a lot of things. They include your time, they include your relationships, your own personal health. We've talked about a lot of these things over the last handful of weeks. You can go on and watch past sermons on YouTube. But today specifically, we're going to talk about finances. We're going to talk about money. Uh, Paul, in this part of the Second Corinthians that I'm going to read, he's being very specific about money. He's not talking about being a good steward of your time or, you know, a jacket that you have that maybe, you know, you can give to somebody uh, or food. He's talking specifically about money. Uh, and I'm going to do like the most daring thing right now. I'm going to read the entire chapter of 2 Corinthians 9. Because I'm a pastor and we're at church and I preach the word of God. So I'm going to read the word of God. Um, yeah, I was going to say something, but I'm not going to say it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Don't try to egg me on. I see what you're trying to do right there. You're trying to get me in trouble. Let's start in verse 1. This is what Paul says to the people of Corinth. He says, I really don't need to write you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. For I know how eager you are to help, and I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a whole year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. Now, I just want to point out really quickly, yes, indeed, Paul was creating a competitive spirit between churches to see who could be more generous. It would be the equivalent of me saying, hey, my buddies down the street at fill in the blank, I have lots of friends who are pastors, and we, I mean, we really are friends. It'd be like me saying, they just gave a quarterly special offering for missions for a quarter of a million dollars. People, I know you have better than that. And just in hearing of what they did, you're like, oh my gosh, 
we got we to gotta give a quarter in one. Whatever it takes. This is what Paul is doing, okay? Sounds very strange, but this would be the equivalent. <laughs> that would just be so funny if I did that. <laughs> Here are the tithing records of the church down the street. <laughs> Verse 3, but I'm sending these brothers to be sure you really are ready. As I have been telling them and that your money is all collected. He sees being very specific about money. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed, not to mention your own embarrassment. If some Macedonian believers who's been hearing about you happened to come along with me and find out that you weren't ready after all I had told them. So I thought I should send these brothers ahead of me to make sure the gift you promised is ready. But I want, to be, I want it to be a willing gift, not one given grudgingly. I love that he's given them time to think about this. Then he says, verse 6, remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Now, a few seeds means sparing or stingy. Okay, so I'm going to reread this. A farmer who is stingy will get stingy. If you want to sow stingily, you're going to reap stingily. This is what this is saying. But the one who plants generously, that word generously means in blessing, like, and we're going to talk more about this, but as a blessing or in praise, will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely. Or that word freely, to share freely means extravagantly. We're going to unpack that in a second. They share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one, verse 10, who provides seed to the farmer and then breads to eat. In the same way, you provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. I want you to turn to somebody if you're sitting by yourself. I want you to put your hand on, your, on yourself and say, always. Okay, when can you be generous? I want you to say, always. If you're sitting at home, if you're making the bacon in the kitchen, if you're putting sugar in your coffee, I don't care what you're doing. I want you to say right now, say it with me in the house, always. When should we be generous? Sometimes. When we feel like it. You better, come on, you better correct me, rebuke me for a second here. Are we supposed to part-time be generous? Always. Okay. I think I got it. Thank you. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of the believers in Jerusalem will be met, and they, and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. And, and as a result of your ministry, they will give glory to God. For your generosity to them and to all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ. And they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. Thank God for this gift. Too wonderful for words. It's just too wonderful. 
There's so much. Now, we're going to talk about a couple things. Number one, we're going to talk about generous stewards are extra. Because we need to go ahead and be extra. Okay? Because the world says you need to stop being extra, but God's word says you need to go ahead and start being extra. <laughs> I just want to, I just want to first and foremost set a foundation and say this. This is God will generously provide all you need. In fact, it goes on to say you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. So generosity trusts that there's always enough. You being generous and me being generous trusts in the fact that there's always enough. God has always got extra when you give extra. You're never going to outrun God's extra. It says that they shared freely. Now, out of this place of trusting that there's always going to be extra from God's extra, it says that they shared freely. That, this word is extravagantly. But if I said, oh, I was just, I, I'm going to sharely free some information with you. That sounds very nice, doesn't it? I'm being cordial. We're just going to share freely here. I've got extra bite to eat. You know, would you like to share freely? You know, we just, it's a nice thing to do. Neighborly thing to do. But the word is Behind this means extravagant. What does extravagant mean? This is, let, let, let's, it means to scatter abroad. Uh, an example of this is a farmer with seeds. Uh, the, it's, one, it's one dispensing blessings. It's to put to flight or to waste. This is also what it means. It means that when you scatter abroad, when you dispense the blessing, when you put to flight the seed, your generosity, that it seems wasteful because it's what other people would want to collect for themselves you're willing to be wasteful with. It's the picture of God being potentially wasteful in human terms by sending his son Jesus with extravagant generosity. Who would give their only son? That seems wasteful. But God was extravagant in his generosity. It's this picture of what, what I, what, what I want to hoard for myself, what other people want to collect, I'm actually throwing out. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the farmer walking through the field, tossing seeds everywhere that I go, almost haphazardly going, I want, I want to be generous and extravagant. It seems wasteful to you. But the more seed that hits the ground, the more crop is grown and the bigger the harvest. This word generous backs it up. It says liberal distribution, copious bestowal. That sounds very educated, copious. I don't, I don't think I've ever used this word copious before, but I'm using it today. It's very copious. Just say it with me, copious. What a powerful word. I just want to say it again, copious. Copious means largeness of supply, abundance in supply or quantity. Check this out. It means profuse, lavish, overflowing, abounding, innumerable. See, generous stewards are extra in their copious generosity. 
Seems like you're being a bit wasteful. You need to stop being extra. You need to hold on to some of that for yourself. And God said, no, no, no. You go right ahead. I dare you. I'm saying that you need to be extra. Go ahead. Start being extra. Generous stewards are extra. They trust that there's always enough. That there's always extra in God. And therefore, family, you can go ahead. Be extra. Number two, generous stewards choose. Generous stewards choose. I love in the first five verses of what Paul writes, he says, hey, you know, I've been talking to each other. I've been talking to you two churches about each other, and you've been thinking about these things, and, and, and I'm sending someone ahead of, of us showing up because I want you to be ready. I want you to have thought through this, and I don't want you to feel like you've been pressured. This is the language he used. I don't want you to feel like you've been pressured. I don't want to be emotional or, or manipulative. I don't want you to feel like you've been coerced, but I want, you to, I want you to have a choice. And so he says this right here in verse 7, you must decide in your heart how much to give. You must decide. Now I want to make a distinction. Being generous is not tithing. I'm going to make this distinction. Tithing is not being generous. Tithing is being obedient. Generosity is your choice. Tithing is obedient and generosity is a choice. It, it, it says in Malachi 3.10, bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. And just before this verse, God is actually, like there's a rebuke. Why? Because the people are being stingy. Stingy with what? Their obedience to do what? To bring 10%. He says the byproduct of your obedience is blessing. Listen to this. He says, there will always be enough food in my temple if you do says the Lord of heaven's armies. I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing. You know what that word blessing means? It's the so much extra. It's the copious amounts. It's his overwhelming, overflowing, innumerable blessing. It's him, his extravagant generosity that he's gonna pour out for you. And it's out of that blessing now that you have the extra for you to turn around and you get to decide for yourself. Tithing is obedience. Generosity is a choice. You decide. This is what Paul's saying. You decide. In fact, he says generosity is a cheerful, cheerful choice. Rather than you being coerced, I want you to do this cheerfully. You know what that word cheerful means? This is great. It means joyous. The root word for this, if, and, and it's, it's hilarious. It's the word we get hilarious from. Paul saying, I w- have, you ever, have you ever like laugh cried? You know what I'm saying? You know when you were in first grade and you started laughing because the, your friend in the class was laughing and both of you started laughing and then you're like, the teacher's like, you, then you're like, you're going to explode and then, and, and then you should start, you just die, you start laughing and then you get in trouble but you don't even care your trouble because you're laughing hilariously and you're crying. You're like, I'm not crying because I'm in trouble. I'm crying because I'm laughing so hard. Like if you ever really had a good like laugh cry, you know that's how you're supposed to give? 
The enemy wants to steal that from you. I remember when I was 11 years old, my first entrepreneurial endeavor, I was like, I'm going to start a business. I was a lad, grew up in Oceanside. And my parents, like we didn't have, you know, my, my family can attest this, we didn't have a lot of money. My dad was sick. He had cancer. And I think we, like, I was, I was little, but I'm guessing we were doing everything we could to, to scrape to get by. And I remember I was like, I'm going to start my own business. So I started a construction company at 11. It was my construction company. I went around to all my neighbors, and it probably was a bit of coercion. I was like, no, really, you need your fence fixed. They're like, I don't think so. And I'm like, yeah, no. I think it needs painted and fixed. Your tree needs pulled out. The branches are looking kind of poor. And they're like, you broke those branches. I'm like, job security. <laughs> you know, you need, you need, a, you need a concrete. I like, at 11, I'm like, you need a concrete planter built. And like, this is how I could do it. And it would look really good. And I just, and, there, and people are like, really? I said, yeah, I convinced my neighbor. I started my own little bit. I and then I convinced my neighbor who could drive, because I wasn't old enough to drive, to drive his little Nissan Sentra over to the Home Depot off college. Because that was like the, the first thing that they ever built was that Home Depot in there. So I went, I said, hey, I walk in, I said, I need some building material. I'm a contractor. Do you have contractor pricing? Because I'm negotiating. I want to be good financial steward. So I said, you know, I want to negotiate the price. So I convinced my buddy for free because I wasn't going to pay him because that wasn't in my margin. But I convinced him for free to drive me to his Nissan Sentra and I loaded it up with lumber on top. Nissan Sentra, I was like, you know, if you follow any of the fail Instagram stuff, that was me right here. I had like loaded this little Nissan Sentra up and then I took bags of cement of, of ready mix and, and, and quickcrete is what it's called. And I loaded as much as I could in the back of this Nissan Sentra. And this Nissan Sentra, we rolled, like we were like rolling down the street, you know, and like the, the back end of the car, we were going on the freeway, like scraping. But I, but I was a, I was a businessman and I had business to do. And I, and I went in and I, and I made these planters around people's stuff because I had the vision in my head. And then, and I'm not sure they should have paid me for it because I, you could go see evidence of it in the neighborhood I grew up in still. It looked bad. But they paid me. And with this money, coal hard cash, I made the decision, this is the first year I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy Christmas presents. You remember the first time you ever bought Christmas presents? You know, I was, I was man, because every year I had received, but it felt so good in my heart that there was this joy in me. Like, I get to give. Oh, I get to give. I didn't feel pressured. I said, this is so awesome. So I went out and I bought presents for my whole family. And I secretly took them and I wrapped them all up and used copious amounts of tape because that's what you do to Christmas packages. You don't want one seam because, you know, these people, they want to peek. They want to see what's in there. So I was like, I'm going to tape the whole package. Just solid because I'm a contractor and I want to build really strong things. And I placed them all under the Christmas tree. And I was like, oh, I can't wait for Christmas morning. Christmas Eve comes. Everyone loves Christmas Eve. Family's hanging out. My dad's sitting in the chair. He's just relaxing. Wasn't feeling very good. He was very, very sick. And I was tasked with the job of changing a light bulb on the Christmas tree. Now, none of you remember this if you're millennials probably below. But it used to be that you put a bulb in your string of lights that was a blinking bulb and it made all the lights blink. Remember that? So my dad sent me and my sister to the Kmarts 
We got a blinking bulb because we wanted our lights to blink. So there I am in the corner wedged between a tree that had to have been eight feet tall in my dad's chair and an end table. And I, because I'm the little one, right? I go in the corner, change the bulb. In a split second, Christmas tree goes up in flames, burns our house down and burns all my presents that I'd put under the tree. Merry Christmas. The last thing I remember seeing was my father sitting in a chair, sick. The last thing that my father remembered seeing was his 11-year-old son stuck in a corner between a tree that was engulfed in flames. And fearing I was stuck, he was doing everything he could to get a bowl of water The trauma set into motion something inside of me that for years haunted me. I hated Christmas. See, the enemy had stolen the joy of my generosity. And that's what he wants to do to you. And it took years for me. But there was a moment You know, when we have to just look at those things and say, I'm going to laugh hilariously through my generosity in your face, Satan. But I am taking my joy back. It is time for you. Some of you struggle with generosity because of the traumas and the tests and the trials that you've been through in your life. And trust me, I know. But it is time for us to take our joy back, family. And we do it hilariously. We're going to laugh cry. Like we're going to get in trouble by the teacher cry. We're going to interrupt everything that the enemy's trying to do because we're hilariously, extravagantly being generous. But it's your choice. It was my choice. And I had to choose. And for a lot of years in my life, you know the song, you're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Like seriously, people would sing that song to me, but they would say, you're a mean one, Mr. Lynch. You know, you begin to wear those things as your identity. I'm like, yeah, I hate Christmas. Screw Christmas. You know, I was responding as that 11-year-old little boy had the joy stolen from me. What do you need to laugh hilariously at today? It is time for you to take your joy back. With a smile. Generous stewards are cheerful and joyous with uproarious laughter. You choose.
Number three, generous stewards sow. Paul decided to go into this whole analogy about seeds and crops and harvests. And is there, are there any farmers in the room? That's a dangerous question, given our current dispensary laws. But um, <laughs> no, I don't want to know what you're farming. Because it's Friday, Craig. Um, for God is the one who provides seed. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer. And then bread to eat. Now, God supplies an abundance of seed. To sow in order to harvest a crop. Let me say this again. God supplies an abundance of seed for you to sow in order to harvest a crop. God doesn't supply you a full crop for you to harvest. He supplies the seed for you to cultivate as a steward. Listen. Abundance of the blessing that God has for you is in the seed so that you can always give, but it's in the seed. And too many of us think that abundance is the seed, and so we eat the seed. And you're missing your abundance because you're eating the seed that you're supposed to sow. How many apple trees are in an apple? Well, it depends on how many seeds there are. So if you, if you think about from a multiplication standpoint, if, if you eat the seeds... You have nothing to sow. So you're always going to have to go back to this apple. Okay, let me, let me make this plain. We live, so many of us, month to month, because we eat the seed, and the abundance is in the seed. And Paul says that he supplies the farmer the seed and then bread to eat. So he's giving you your provision to eat, but you're eating the seed and the seed is to plant so that you can grow an orchard because I don't want an apple. I want an apple tree that produces other apple trees so that I can live off the orchard. Being rich is having an apple tree. Being wealthy is having an orchard that I can live off of and I never have to lift a finger. So financially, you can be rich means you can put a lot of money in your bank account, but you eat your seed. Dave Ramsey Plus. Hashtag ad. Get in Dave Ramsey Plus. Why? Because they're teaching you to live off your orchard instead of eating your seed. You better slap someone. <laughs> Tell them, like, quit eating your seed. Pastor, I'm just, you know, I'm waiting for my extra. I'm like, no, you're eating your extra. You're going to be waiting a long time. Two minutes are eating the seed. <laughs> and when you live in this orchard mentality, you always can give. And do you know that word always? It means in all occasions. That means when there's a need and when there's not a need. We're going to jack it up this week. And do you know what I know? About? I know this for a fact about you. We're going to kill it. 
We need 120 jackets. I guarantee you we'll have enough for 240 jackets, maybe even more. You know why? Because you're extravagantly generous. That's what I know about this church family. That's what I know about you. But did you know that we should be extravagantly generous even when we're not having to jack it up? It should be in all the time. Why? Because God says that the storehouses should be full. So it's an always occasion. And the benefit is to those who are in need. So guess who the benefit of us being extravagantly generous are? People. Let me say it this way. The best place for you to sow is into another person's life. A person's life by far is the greatest soil that you can sow into. Every time you go to the grocery and I'm like, hi, how you doing? Here's my groceries. And they're like, that'll be $7,842 because you have 10 people and seven kids and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, thank you, Sprouts. I appreciate that. Would you like to round up, sir, to the nearest dollar so you can give some money to someone's in need? Who's that benefiting? Is it benefiting Sprouts? No, it's benefiting a person. Like when you buy a jacket, it's not about the jacket. It's about the little kid who's going to get the jacket that's cold right now because mom and dad, if there is a mom and dad, if there are employed, can barely afford, if not at all afford, to put a jacket on this little guy or girl. And don't you know that this little kid, he's like the apple, there's seeds in this little kid, there's an orchard inside this little boy, there's an orchard inside this little girl, and what we need to do is we need to stop looking at the fruit, and we need to go ahead, and we need to be generous to the root, and we need to deal with the soil, we need to pour into these little kids, the wealthiest thing you can do is be generous to another person. You're not being generous when you go to Starbucks and go, hey, give me some dirty water. They're selling you a cup of dirty water. You took my clean, clear water and you just made it dirty. And you overcharged me for it. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. God bless you. Now I'm going to dump some sugar in it. Some, too much sugar. Sugar, I, I want it to be abrasive to like all of my arteries and everything. Worst thing I could, so now you're making my water dirty and now I'm like sugarfied because we're like, so, okay, anyway. That is not sewing into a person. That's an exchange, a business exchange. We need to sew into people, those who are in need. People. We are in the people business. God is in the people business. He sent a people to save people. He made people in his image. So you have to know something. Generosity is in your genes. If you're listening right now, you're like, I don't believe in God. I don't care. Generosity is still in your genes. That's why you're compelled to round up when you're standing in the sprouts line. Why? Because generosity is in your genes. Something in you goes, I need to help people. If you're a follower of Jesus, I want you to know something. You, you double down on this. If you're not tithing, you're not being obedient. Now hold on a second. I want you to know something. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can totally tune me out right now. Just click. I don't expect you to be obedient to a God you don't serve. If you say, yes, I serve you, God, be obedient. Tithe. Then, with the blessing of the extra, I want you to be almost wasteful. That's what the word means. Like, and laugh while you're doing it. Ha, 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 ha. 
we need to lighten up. How is the orchard going to be grown if you're eating the seed? We have an orchard to grow. We're growing an orchard. That's what we're doing here as a church. Generous stewards cultivate the seed to harvest an orchard. Number four, and lastly, generous stewards are the outlet of love. I love this. This is the message version, Ephesians 5. Verse 1 says, watch what God does and then do it. Okay, I could just stop right there. Could I just preach to the world right now? Globe, watch what God does and then do that. What does he do? He says, watch what God does and then do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from the parents. Mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. Observe how Christ loved us. His love was not cautious, but what? Extravagant. He's just so wasteful. <laughs> he didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. What a powerful message. See, you've been transformed. If, you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been transformed by God's extravagant generosity. And I am 100% convinced the world can be transformed by your extravagant generosity. Why? Because extravagant generosity from you is your outlet of love. Now, I believe the church exists from God's extravagant generosity for God's extravagant generosity. That's why I believe we exist. I think, I think every church, I'm not saying every church says that. That's what I think. That's why we exist for that reason. And I want to thank you. I want to take a second and I want to tell you something. This last year has been a crazy year. It's been weird. Can we all just say right now, amen. And you know, no one can predict. I don't know when things are going to change. I, I, can't, I can't tell you any of that. It might get a lot more weird. People are like, can't wait till 2021. I'm like, hey, hey, you don't, you don't know what's coming, right? So we don't know. But I'll tell you one thing that I do know. Church family, you have been extravagantly generous. You continue to show up. You continue to meet needs. Why? Because extravagant generosity provides the mechanism for the gospel to go out. So thank you. Thank you in such a weird year that you're still tithing, that you're still giving your extra. There's people that know that we're struggling financially and they just go, hey, I'm just going to write a check. Does this help? And we're just like, yeah, that helps. Why? Because your extravagant generosity meets family needs. There are people in our family that we're investing in more than ever and your generosity helps meet those needs and we're growing. And your extravagant generosity means community needs. People like Haley who oversees our entire ministry. Like, we're, you, yeah. Can, I mean, can, can you think for one second? I mean, the school down the street is like, who do we call? The movement. Let's call Haley. Because it's always a yes. The 
it seems like it would be wasteful to call Haley for this. That's what we do. We're just... <laughs> it's hilarious. So your extravagant generosity meets community needs, and we're investing in community more than ever, and guess what? It's growing. And your extravagant generosity will meet future needs. We have future needs. Things might have changed. The landscape of what we're doing has changed, but I'm going to tell you one thing. Our mission has not. We are as on mission. I'm telling you something. We are more on mission than ever, ever in the history of our church. 2020 has brought clarity. No pun intended. 2020 has brought clarity, and we know that we're on mission more than ever. So continue. But thank you. Thank you to all of you who have made the sacrifice. I understand. Extravagant generosity will cost you comfort. And that's okay. But you, you have been changed by the hand of an extravagantly generous God. And if you haven't, you need to meet him. Let's pray. Don't check out. I got two things. We're going to put this into practice. Number one, I want you to evaluate. So we're going to evaluate and we're going to activate. Number one, I want you to evaluate. Are you eating God's abundance by eating all the seed he's giving you? Are you eating God's abundance by eating all the seed that he's given to you? Evaluate. I want you to evaluate that. I want you to think about it. And I want to activate us. And this is very simple. Well, Pat, what's a step? Here's the easiest on-ramp ever to this. <laughs> Put a sweatshirt. Put a jacket on a child from San Marcos Elementary as one of those in need. No questions asked. Heck, put five. Put whatever you think would be wasteful, and that's what extravagant generosity is. And do so cheerfully, laughing hilariously in the face of the enemy. Because we are taking our joy back and our generosity. You choose. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for this family who is extravagantly generous. I thank you that they continually show up. I thank you for this last year. I thank you for just the faithfulness that you've shown through them. Thank you for teaching us what it is that we're here for. Thank you for being real sensitive to us, God, like understanding that we're in a process of learning. Thank you for it. I call that grace. Thank you for your grace. That gentle reminder. That today, it's just a gentle reminder to keep going. And perhaps for you, it's start. <laughs> keep being extra if you're, if you're being extra. If you haven't, start being extra. Go ahead. Start being extra. This is what we exist for. Extravagant generosity. In Jesus' powerful name, everyone said, amen and amen.